Well, of course, we know that the Freedom Charter was central to our constitution and very much laid the foundation for our constitutional democracy. Dr. Musibudi Mangena is the former president of Azapo, joins us on the line. Good morning and thank you so much for your time this morning, sir. Uh, good morning, Madam Plasa. David Litzwalo is a Sankarist activist and academic. David, good morning to you as well. Good morning, KP, and good morning to your listeners. Of course, the commemoration of the Freedom Charter always provides a good opportunity to reflect on where we are. And if we just go uh, to the very beginning, right, this idea of South Africa belonging to all who live in it, it's something that we find in our country's constitution as well. But when you look at where we are as a society, we seem to be grappling with that idea in and of itself. And it really begs the question, you know, the extent to which the principles that are enshrined in the Freedom Charter are still principles by which South Africans live. Uh, Mr. Mangena? Well, I, I, I think that uh, the uh, as we discuss this, we should keep in mind the perspective that the, the document, the Freedom Charter, belongs to a particular political tendency in our country. It doesn't belong to all the tendencies. Mm. And, and, and therefore, it doesn't bind all of us. It was not adopted by all of us as a people. The Constitution was. And if there are elements in the uh, Freedom Charter that have uh, found their way into, into the Constitution, well, that, that's, that's what it is. So I, I think that we should keep that in mind. But the the one of the the statements that has just been read, and I think by uh, the person who 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 introduced this, and I think by you, it's a statement that uh, South Africa belongs to all who live in it. it. It's a very unfortunate statement to for some of us, um, and and I think that probably it it. Um, it, it influences the way we run the country, the way we relate to one another, and the way we um, uh, uh, serve one another. And and I I don't think there is a single country you'll find in the world where there is such a statement made that their, their country belongs to um, everyone who lives in it. So it's it's um, it's um, it's an unfortunate statement, and I think it it causes quite a lot of controversy, and it has done since its inception. But in as far as uh, the, uh, the 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 condition of our people is concerned, this is the Freedom Charter or the Constitution. Um, we are nowhere near where we are supposed to be as a people. We promise so much. Um, as I've sometimes said in, in many uh, documents and writings, uh, that the, the political system and the documents in South Africa um, over-promise uh, but under-delivers. And so if you just look at all the elements of that, the Constitution and the, perhaps the things that you'll find in the, in the Freedom Charter are concerned, um, the, our people are very far from achieving that, un, uh, except for the fact that they are voting. They are free to, to, to be voted into power. They are free to vote people into power. They are free to organize themselves in whatever way they want. But beyond that, we are in trouble.
Why do you find that the statement, as you've described it, is unfortunate, that South Africa belongs to all who live in it? Why do you think it's problematic? And and have you always had a, an issue with it? No, I've always had an issue with it. And the uh, many other political uh, tendencies in the country have a, a problem with it. The basis of nationhood uh, um, is uh, the, the borders of a country and uh, the people who live in it and uh, their rights that they have to vote, to have a passport, to have a, an ID document, and uh, to be entitled to the things that the nation offers are based on, on, on nationhood, on people who belong to that country. So if the country belongs to anyone who lives in it, um, why do we um, uh, have a, a situation where there are, there are um, uh, foreigners there are, uh, and who don't, don't have the rights that we, we uh, all have as citizens? Okay, so so effectively, you you believe that it's giving unfair rights to people who are not or should not be entitled to those rights. Yeah, it's it's, it's confusion. It it is a confusion that uh, uh, the the country has got to belong to uh, anyone who live in it. The country has got to belong to its citizens, its people, uh, not not anyone who live in it. So the, the people who cross the border and live in the country, this country automatically belongs to them. Mm. So, yeah, so, so that, that, that's what he says. He doesn't say that they've got to be... So all those people who live in this country um, own this country. All right. David Lizualo, let me bring you in here and give you a chance to uh, give us your own reflections on the Freedom Charter, where we are uh, 67 years later. Thank you, Casey. I, I think that it would be unjust, you know, if I don't, uh, you know, let on to the point that we've been deliberating on about the opening line of the Freedom Charter as to, uh, you know, South Africa belonging to all who, who live in it. And I, I want to appreciate in that Mangana's contribution in that regard. But I think when we're dealing with this question, we need to be very, very frank and open about it. To, to say that uh, we cannot interrogate that kind of line without looking at the history and context and in which the, the Freedom Charter would have been uh, you know, founded or, or, or adopted as it were. So here's the point. We need to appreciate and directly state that the struggle was about the race question. So when we're talking about oppression of black people, we have the next point that we need to acknowledge is that is the fact that black people were oppressed by you know by white people, the settlers uh, as as such. So that is very very uh, important. So you have to ask yourself why was there a need to make such a statement, and also ensure that the very same statement goes into our constitution. There is no country in the whole world which would have a constitution that says, uh, you know, each country belongs to everyone or anyone who lives in it. Because to live in a country does not necessarily make you the owner or citizen thereof uh, as, as such. So I think that's a very, very, very important point. My, my impression is that 
South Africa had, had been made the cheapest country in the whole world because all you need to own it would be just to live in it. And then you, so that's, for me, that's very, very unfortunate as that the Mangana is, is saying. So I think the statement was made to appease uh, white people because otherwise there would not have been a need to, to, to make that particular kind of statement. So if we look at the history, the idea is that the, the South Africa was sort of uh, conquered by white people. So the struggle did not start in 1955 with the adoption of the Freedom Charter. In fact, it was not even started in 1912 with the formation of the ANC. So the struggle started since 1652. So the Freedom Charter for me seems to distort that notion as if the people did not know what they were fighting for since the day white people set their foot in this country. So that's where the problem lies with the Freedom Charter. But the next point uh, with regard to the freedoms and the rights that are proclaimed in the Freedom Charter itself, I want to say that there's a difference between rights or freedoms and liberation as such. And it's interesting that the epilogue to the the Freedom Charter itself acknowledges that point when it says that these freedoms, which means the, the, the rights that are enlisted in the very same Freedom Charter, they will fight for side by side throughout their lives until they have won their liberty. So it means there's a difference between human rights and liberty, so or liberation. So the fact that you have rights does not necessarily mean that you have uh, liberty. So today, black people have got the rights on paper in the Constitution, but accessing those rights is a different matter because you need economic power. So white people can exercise those rights as much as they want, but black people still need to be economically empowered in various ways to exercise their cultural and uh, social rights as, as it were. So that is where, for me, I think the, the celebration of the Freedom Charter to a certain extent is, uh, is overrated. And I think if there's something to be done is to commemorate the Freedom Charter rather than celebrate it. Mm. One of the things that arises from Dr. Mangena's contribution is, um, you know, ultimately about who contributed to this document. And um, historically, of course, we know that there were a number of groupings, trade unions, political parties, etc., um, that really helped to draft this talk document. At least that's part of what history tells us. It's interesting, though, that retrospectively, one of the conversations that arises is that around the legitimacy of the Freedom Charter, especially through the perspective and lens of who its drafters were. David? Look, I think, <laughs> I think the whole thing about the Freedom Charter is rests on illogic and senselessness. Because first and foremost, if really you're fighting for, for, your, for your country, your, you know, your conquered country, there's no way in which, you know, you can say, I want to share my, the land uh, with my conqueror uh, as such. So somebody comes to steal your, your property or your item, and then you fight so hard, in, and you declare that I want, I want to fight this thing in order to share with the person who stole my property. That's the first point. And, and this kind of logic or illogic leads us to getting suspicious as to 
who really drafted this uh, kind of document. The second point that I want to, to say, in as far as this point is concerned, is that you 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 know how how can a a document be drafted you know over a weekend and even uh, adopted? And there is an, a historical point that says the the president of the ANC at the at the time, Chief Albert Lutuli or Inkosi Albert Lutuli, uh, is on record as having said that he actually did not know about the document. He, he actually there was a point when he disowned it. So if the the president of a of a of a movement or of an organization does not know about the, the, the particular document, then it, it is suspicious. However, the reality is that uh, indeed Professor Z.K. Methus did suggest the idea of a freedom charter in, 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 in 1953 as a reaction to uh, the, the 1948 victory of the National Party, in other words, the formal apartheid. So it has always been a reaction on the part of the Congress movement as it were. The same thing with the formation of the ANC in 1912. It was just a reaction to the formation of the Union of uh, South Africa, in other words, the, the white you know, union of 1910. So for me, the existence of the Freedom Charter in the manner that it has come confirms the, the notion that it was actually uh, you know, smuggled into the, 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 the gathering or to the assembly by what they refer to as the the, the you know the communist Jews from uh, East Europe, and there are traces of such you know uh, submissions uh, as as such. Right. So essentially, for me, I, I'm very much skeptical as to whether the, the really the people as reported in the document itself really drafted the 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 freedom check. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Mangena and David Letswalo, regardless of, uh, you know, how the document came about. Ultimately, it very much informs our constitution, the Bill of Rights uh, that we have in this country. And and so, you know, I think that that is an important part of what we also need to focus on in this conversation. But Lisa Wilson is standing by with your headlines for this hour. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Of course, one of the big themes out of the Freedom Charter is one that says the people shall govern. And just to explain a little bit of what is under it, it says every man and woman shall have the right to vote for and to stand as a candidate for all bodies which make laws. All people shall be entitled to take part in the administration of the country. The rights of the people shall be the same regardless of race, color or sex or sex rather and all All bodies of minority rule, advisory boards, councils and authorities shall be replaced by democratic organs of self-government. And one just has to think about this issue of the right to vote and the right to stand as a candidate for all bodies, probably as being one of the things that has not quite uh, been uh, clarified in the way that is perhaps envisaged in this document and even uh, subsequently in, in the constitution which is why uh, we have this challenge around how people uh, can stand in the introduction of the so-called independent candidates. Dr. Mangena, let me give you a chance to weigh in on this one. Well, I think that uh, the, 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 the lines that you've just read now um, are really fully supported and uh, if you go across um, 
all political um, uh, thoughts and tendencies in the country, you will find that uh, uh, that kind of philosophy, that kind of uh, reasoning uh, is, is supported. But even internationally, even the, the um, United Nations uh, Charter on Human Rights uh, support that, that uh, kind of arrangement. So we do have that in our country. Obviously, you will have uh, different uh, political systems. We we have uh, adopted the um, uh, the one that 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 centers uh, a lot on on political parties. That in order to take part in elections, you have got to belong to a political party. Except, of course, at the local government level where um, people can stand as independents and, and be elected. And, and, and so the, the political system um, will always uh, uh, have uh, downside. Um, uh, the proportional representation system, the downside is, is that there, 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 there is a deficit in, in uh, accountability to the voters. Uh, at least in the manner in which it is practiced in our country. Elsewhere in the world, it might not be so, depending on the regulations and, and implementation of those regulations. But the upside is that um, um, minorities uh, are better accommodated in uh, 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 this type of system than uh, first past the post system. Uh, it has been argued that if that is implemented, quite a lot of minority groups uh, will find themselves outside of uh, the uh, political system to the extent that they will not be uh, fairly represented in the political discourse of the country. So um, we should grapple with these matters um, uh, until such time that we find a, a, a system that, that uh, uh, accommodates everybody. But of course, there are many of us who believe that we should not even be talking about um, minorities and majorities or, uh, or, or races in our country, but we should just be talking about people, mm. people who identify with this country and, and take it as their own, accept it as their own. And, and therefore, um, uh, we stop talking about these people are a minority and these ones are a majority. And and, and, and and then we will have there yet, and we have got to work on it. One of the other other contentious aspects, and contentious in the sense that they really form a significant portion of the public debate in this country and issues where there are concerns of very little progress being made over the years. And, and David, I'll bring you in here. And it's, the, it's under this theme in the Freedom Charter where the people shall share in the country's wealth. And it says here that the national wealth of the country, the heritage of South Africans, shall be restored to the people. The mineral wealth beneath the soil, the banks and monopoly industry shall be transferred to the ownership of the people as a whole. 
all industry and trade shall be controlled to assist the well-being of the people. All people shall have equal rights to trade where they choose to manufacture and to enter all trades, crafts and professions. And and one of the biggest challenges for this country is the fact that, you know, despite the adoption of the Freedom Charter, despite our constitution and our Bill of Rights, the state of the economy um, it still very much lies in the same hands. And therefore, um, you know, the, there's a big struggle for people to just survive on the day-to-day basis. And, and it flies in the face of this Freedom Charter. Well, well d- definitely. I mean, it's not surprising because uh, what, we, what, what happened, uh, you know, in 1994 was just to, to change, you know, the the guards, but the system remains uh, the same. I mean, the, the the content of the negotiation will tell you that everything is about give and take. So it means that uh, obviously the people who were negotiating themselves out of the political power ensured that you know by by various guarantees within the constitution, their their power, their stranglehold in the economy would still be maintained. So, as I said earlier on, it's one thing to have rights, you know, enlisted in a document. So they remain with, with, with rhetoric, as it were. But then the, the important thing for me is uh, the people able to exercise those rights. So it's, you can have the idea that, you know, the minerals and everything else will belong to the people but it comes back to the real question which has been avoided you know, by, by, by the leadership, unfortunately, the question of uh, nationalization. Because once you did, when you have had a situation where one group or national group had had a monopoly over the economy for over centuries, and then you come with a statement, even in the Constitution, that says that all the people shall share in the work of the, you know, of the country and, and so on and so on, it means you need a way in which you need to nationalize uh, that you know the the, the resources as, as such, and so that you can distribute or redistribute equally. But that question has been avoided. Let's look at the question of the the repossession of the land itself. We haven't we haven't repossessed the land in order for people to share uh, in in that particular land itself, and therefore. The, the idea that we could even go any any distance with regard to the amendment of the constitution in the in terms of the section 25, there was such a lot of confusion around it. Whereas it was quite a straightforward thing that you needed to repossess the land so that people can build in the in the same footing because the land encompasses even the minerals and many other things around it. Interestingly, the constitution itself does speak about the, the banks and other monopoly industries that they should be belonging to, to the state. But 25, 28 years down the line, we're still pontificating and dancing around the issue instead of doing the, the right thing, which the Freedom Charter is saying. So what the Constitution has done is to absorb the, you know, the rhetoric of the Freedom Charter and into the law which binds us. But at the same, at the same time, We've got the leadership for whatever reason that does not want to actualize what the constitution, not not necessarily the constitution, but the the freedom charter has been saying. So which gives credence to the 
that point, the opening line, the, what I may call the preamble of the Freedom Charter, to say it was all about, you know, appeasing and missing the feelings of those that had colonized us. Thank you. Mm. Let, let me go to TK in Durban. TK, good morning. Yes, good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm all right, TK. I, I, I thought it's important for me to just try and understand because my understanding of the Constitution, in mm. particular, when it deals with the issue of uh, that South Africa belongs to all living it, it was to accommodate the situation then at that time. It was not to accommodate the other people that come in and live in South Africa. When it says South Africa belongs to all who live in it at that time, it meant that black and white people that were in conflict at that time, let us accept and say we all belong here so that we coexist with each other. It was not to say South Africa is now open for everybody who comes in and then South Africa will belong to that individual. If you, if you read the context of that particular, of the preamble, it says, respect those who work to build and develop our country and believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, mm. united in our diversity, not who come and live in it. So it means those people at the time that this constitution was developed, those were the people who were covered by the constitution. Anyone who comes after that is not covered by this constitution. But, but the, unfortunate yeah. part, the unfortunate part is that it has been misused to accommodate people coming from different countries, whether European or Africa or wherever, wherever they are coming from, that once they are in South Africa, then South Africa belongs to all who live in it. That's not the case. That's not what the Constitution is saying. It doesn't say that if you come and live in South Africa, then it belongs to you. But those at the time this Constitution was established, it belongs to those people. So, TK, you know, what I, I, I sort of hear what you're saying, but I wonder, again, because this is something that has been adopted in our constitution as well, do you think it would not have been specified if it was, if it had exclusionary terms and who would be excluded from what is being said here? Uh, and, you know, why would it be that it should not be taken literally, especially if there are no specific exclusionary terms? My, my, my simple answer to that, Madam, will be that even if you look at how it is crafted, if, if those people who have studied the law, <laughs> you can't even refer to it as a certain clause in the Constitution. It's not even forming part and parcel of the clauses. In the constitution, it's just in the preamble. So it means if you want to be specific and say in terms of so and so of the constitution, it says South Africa belongs to all individuals, it would not be even correct. So I'm saying the deliberate, deliberate omission not to put it in a form of a standard legal writing where you will say so, so and so as per the constitution, specifically says one, two, three, four, five. But yes. When you are dealing with it, it's just in a preamble. This is what the country envisaged at that time, not going forward. 
At that time, when people were fighting and there was war in the country, there was a lot of things that were happening and there was a lot of injustice that took place. Then the country on its own took a decision and said, let us all embrace what has happened, us black and white, and then let's come together, let's work on this, let's all accept that we live in South Africa now, so South Africa belongs to all who live in it, not who come and live in it. That is why we form departments like the Home Affairs. When you come to South Africa, you can't just be coming into South Africa and then you are declared an indigenous South African. It's impossible, unless otherwise there are some present activities that took place. But I'm saying that was the purpose of the Constitution. It was to ensure that black and white, after an extraordinary human disaster, that's what we envisage to see going forward. Let's work this country together. Let's say we are now here. That's what we are going to do going forward. Yeah. But Look, not anyone who comes outside of South Africa and claim that South Africa belongs to all in Look, TK, I I suppose it also comes down to the different interpretations that different governments, um, you know, in power would have to this. Because if if you listen carefully to Dr. Aaron Muzwaledi when he talks about um, South Africa and its policy of kind of opening up the borders, he places it under the presidency of Nelson Mandela, who effectively, uh, you know, did away with some of the management of the borders that would have been in place under apartheid that also resulted again in the deaths of lots of uh, those that were fleeing, particularly from a country like Zimbabwe into South Africa. And and, and and I suppose it's about saying that where does that feature? Because that seems to be a very different interpretation for me. You then bring a, a presidency like somebody of uh, the person of Tabumbeki and, you know, his whole conversation and approach to Pan-Africanism having a united states of, of Africa and how somebody like that would interpret what this part of the Constitution um, of the Freedom Charter and subsequently, you know, the preamble of the Constitution would mean? I, 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 I have a different take on that, madam, because mm. when, 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 when these negotiations took place, they were all about what was happening in South Africa, not what was happening in Africa. What was happening in South Africa, because we were there, there was black-on-black violence. There was something that was coming out again. There were a lot of things that were happening. So when that, when these negotiations took place, it was all about South Africans. It was not about Africa. Who says it was about Africa will be misleading the country? Because it was all about what was happening in South Africa. It was bad. So we had to coexist with white people as black people. If we did not have that, then white people would have not been here in South Africa like what happened to the other countries. So we had to establish something that we say South Africa belongs to all of the okay. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay, so TK. That is my take on the matter. Thank all you right. No problem, TK. Thanks Thanks for calling in. Joe in Alberton, good morning to you. Morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Joe. I'm fine. I'm fine. The issue is very much... Uh, the issue of a freedom charter actually it needs to be well addressed because it's not something that is designed 
for the particular people. Those are indeed entitled to this country. Freedom children need to be stirred or re-addressed. Because when you check, this is not a particular sentence of this country will belong to those living on it. Who is it? Even in my house, my yard is still be packed for those who going to invade. If I can find uh, somebody in my yard the following morning, I cannot even ask him, why, what do you want here? Why? Because the freedom checks are allowed. Hello? Yes, yes, Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for you. Yes, now, the, the point that I'm trying to, to show is that we have a problem of our, our, our government that is leading by the ruling party, ANC. They are benefiting in the expense of the majority by designing lot of things that we believe they are helping us, but they don't help us. Okay. All right, Joe. Look now, yeah, look now the issue of land. Who owns the land? The migration Dutchess are owning this 78% of land. Okay. But what is the Freedom Charter telling us now? Yeah, Joe, I'm going to have to interject you there. I've got a break coming up. We'll continue the conversation after this. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Dr. Mangyan, I'm going to bring you in here and give you an opportunity to weigh into some of the reflections that have been shared by our listeners. Well, I think it is ironic that um, uh, the, 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 the governing party uh, that uh, uh, adheres to, to the, 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 the Freedom Charter, that they have, uh, believe it is their document, are the ones that are failing to implement it um, uh, wholesale. Uh, as uh, the contributions that have been made by David and by others show, uh, whether you go into uh, land ownership it is still as it was, but the, according to the Freedom Charter or according to our constitution in its uh, uh, demand that uh, there be uh, redress, that has not happened. Whether you go to um, uh, education, whether the doors of learning are open for everyone, uh, there are lots of problems there. Whether it goes to the minerals, um, and in fact the relationship of the majority black people to the minerals or our mineral wealth, it is still as it was uh, under, under settler colonialism. We, it, it is exploitative. We don't own anything. The minerals are just, whether it is in the areas where um, uh, Mahoshi are in charge, uh, the problem is the same. We don't own the mineral wealth. Our relationship with, with the mineral wealth is, is, is as exploitative as it has always been. So um, I think that the problem that we have with the uh, 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 situation that we have presently is just that the governing party is not implementing mm-hmm. anything that is in the Constitution or the Freedom Charter, if you, if you like. Even with the borders and so on. I mean, we can't have um, a pan-Africanism in South Africa only. You can't have open borders in South Africa, but all the other countries uh, do not have open borders. What, what, what does that mean? 
know. Uh, so, but even with that, we have not declared it. It's just that we are not implementing the laws and rules and regulations pertaining to migration. We fail in every respect. In the safety of our, even the, 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 the Freedom Charter and the Constitution, all believe that we must be safe. But we are not safe, especially women and children. And so, you know, everywhere you look, it's just lack of implementation. The children that have died um, on Sunday morning, and there are rules and regulations governing the access of minors to alcohol and to places like that. And they are simply not implemented. Nobody cares. The police don't care. The communities, it doesn't matter what happens. Um, um, uh, it is free for all. That's the problem. Mm. David, when I look at just some of the issues that are contained in the Freedom Chart and also the contributions by our listeners, whether it's around who owns the economy, the conversation around land, these are also conversations that have become highly politicized and almost in the process highly divisive, whereas when we look at what the founding of this country's values and our constitution are, these seem to be very clear-cut issues of where to begin uh, to redress some of the wrongs of the past. Yes, indeed, Katie. However, I think the, the elephant in the room should always be with uh, the fact that I think people are really scared to upset, uh, you know, white interests, so, so, so to say. Unless you confront the issue, frankly, you are not going to address this problem. The issue of oppression, which is a political issue, and particularly in South Africa, is, is racially based. So you cannot um, address a racially induced problem by taking a, a sort of a neutral stance as far as the race, uh, race politics are concerned. I also want to uh, tap into what TK uh, indicated on, on the issue of the preamble to say whatever he, he said in that context. I just wanted to indicate that there are two things around there. First, I indicated the issue of the historical context of the, of, of the Freedom Charter to say that I think that line was extraneous uh, to the extent that it was meant to actually assure certain race groups that uh, black people are not here to take what they really uh, what really belongs to, to them. The second point I wanted to indicate is that a preamble in any act, including even in the Constitution, is not a redundant approach. In fact, it's a very, very important part because it illustrates the spirit, the soul, and the foundation for interpretation of the rest of the clauses in the, in the act. So it is there in black and white. It says that Africa belongs to all those who live in it. If you to, 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 to define what is living in it means, so, and what is belonging means. So it is there in black and white. I don't know which court of law would find a different interpretation to that. I think people should come to a point where we think beyond the Freedom Charter and confront the, 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 the problem. I don't know whether we have those kind of gaps. That is why we always have contradictions. For instance, where the, the, the issue of the people shall govern, the contradiction thereof is that it's not that people are governing. It's certain people who have captured the executive, for instance, the business interest, and so on and so on. And then also the disengaged citizenry. So it's all those of contradiction. The question of the doors of learning and culture will be open to all. You contradict that with the brutality of the state meted to the 
Christmas for students in the year 2015. Ironically, the year which was declared to be the year of the Freedom Charter by the by, by the, the by the ANC government. So finally, we look at the land. How you know people were wishy-washy and pontificating around 1325. So I think he was playing games. I think we are dealing with the rhetoric rather than the serious politics of restoration of the dignity of black people and also repossession of the land, which mm-hmm. is what the struggle was about. David Letzualo is a Sankarist activist and academic. You also heard from Dr. Musibudi Mangena, who is the former president of Azapo. It's after midday. It's where we wrap up the conversation for today on The Talking Point. Guess who's back on the update at noon? Sakina Kamwendo. I hope you had a lovely break, Sakina. Welcome back.